Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com, and we are offering you a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, sign up for that trial, and then explore. And I'm going to suggest that you take a look at not only the audiobooks, but all the other content that is there for your enjoyment. The Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to enjoy inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to, and that is because of the guests. These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me for a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. Today is no different. My guest today is Jason Dorsey. Jason is a pioneering Gen Z, millennial, and generations speaker and researcher. He's on a mission to separate generational myth from truth to solve generational challenges for leaders. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. Thrilled to be with you today. I am thrilled to have you here. This is a subject that so many business owners struggle with, this you know, whole multi-generations within the company, and I don't understand those youngsters, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> the youngsters are saying, I don't understand those old people. You know. Well, it's a fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. God, that's the second time today someone has said fax machine to me. That is really weird. Uh, so um, I am curious how you got it, into this whole studying generations and their impact on business. Yeah, uh, it's a great question, you know, uh, and also for your listeners, because I'm familiar with their audience. Uh, you know, I grew up in a family-owned business, uh, small business, and uh, mm -hmm. we had two generations and then ultimately more. And then now uh, we own two family-owned businesses, uh, my wife and I do. So we have multiple generations of family working in our business in addition <laughs> to four different generations on a day-to-day -day basis uh, that work in them. So we are, we are living wow. this as well, right along with them. You including sure are. That's like the double whammy. All, yes, every generational you know, divide conversation, <laughs> joke, meme they don't understand. Why did you send me that emoji? Uh, we're living all of that right there with them. <laughs> uh, and, and so we got into this work. Our firm is called the Center for Generational Kinetics. And the way I got into it originally is I wrote a book when I was 18 years old. And uh, it was called Graduate to Your Perfect Job. And, and it was really just for my generation to share all the different things that I'd learned the hard way growing up in a small town in Texas and trying to overcome different obstacles to be able to find a path that really inspired me. And so I wrote the book, not knowing that that would change the course of my life. And when the book became a, a big bestseller and I started speaking a lot, and then you know I was on all these TV shows, I was on the Today Show and The View and all these different things. Uh, I just really wanted to help my generation, which are the millennials, uh, even though we weren't called the millennials at the time. And so I just traveled all around the world, spoke to about half a million millennials, loved it, it was great fun. 
And then about 13 years ago, uh, I was in a boardroom in Washington, D.C., real famous company, big public company. And we were having this conversation about millennials. And uh, what happened is, you'll appreciate this, I was on 60 Minutes, which, uh, you know, was, was a big deal at the time. Supposedly, it was one of the top-rated shows. And it was yeah. me and Morley Safer. And they were, uh, you know, oh. like, these millennials are from another planet. And you know, <laughs> I'm on there. And I told them that my mom picked out my clothes. So, of course, you know, Morley just had a field day with that. And it was just this whole thing. It just, uh, you know, you would have thought you scripted it, but it was completely not. It was just everything we were living. And, uh, and so after that show, all these big corporations called and said, oh, we saw you on 60 Minutes. We hired your people. They're terrible. They're pants are falling uh, off their mom's here they've worked for two days they want to raise they won't work on their birthday like what's wrong with you and and so so that led to this company inviting me to go speak for them and so i'm in this boardroom with uh, them and the, the ceo sort of makes this claim that millennials are you know basically terrible and as yeah. a millennial i i didn't know what to do i'd never sort of been in a situation like that in a corporate <laughs> boardroom and so i not knowing any better said well i'd love to see your data and if you could give me your data by generation, then I can sort of, you know, analyze it and try to see if I can come up with some solutions and, and sort of get to the bottom of it. Now we call that generational context and we have a formal process, but back then we did it. So they sent me the data and I went back and I, I talked with my wife who has a PhD and, and I said, Denise, you know, this is the strangest thing. Uh, the CEO just said that millennials are terrible. They sent me their data and the data contradicts what the CEO just said to everybody in that meeting. Turns out that wow. millennials are actually doing really well and they're yeah. performing well and their managers <laughs> in his companies, they're doing all this stuff. And I, so I said to her, I said, Denise, what do you think we should do? And she says, we should start a research firm. <laughs> she said, if this big famous company can't read their own data or is bringing yeah. so much bias to it, then we can really help them by doing original research that brings a statistically accurate way that's constructive on how to bring out the best of every generation, not just millennials. And so we started our research firm. Uh, Denise is the CEO, I'm the president. And since then, we've had about 700 clients around the world that we do either research for strategy consulting or we analyze their data or just help them come up with new ways to separate myths from truth about generations to bring out the best in every single one. And with each new client we work with, as you can imagine, we get their data that gives us more insights, more context. We're working all around the world. We've led more than 65 studies ourselves in every major industry you can think of trying to look at everything from employment to consumers, marketing, spending, retention, all the way to emerging trends, things like health, politics, you know, uh, technology uses, just sort of looking for that uh, non-obvious data. Because what, what I realized is that most of the data, and this is very true for all the business owners listening right now, most of the data that people look at is what we here at CGK call tracking data. And so that data might say sales went up or sales went down or employee retention went up or employee retention went down, any of those things, all of which is very important. And, you know, as somebody I serve on five company boards, you know, it's very important to really be aware of the data. On the flip side, all of that data is what we consider historic. I mean, it tells us what happened, sales went up, sales went down, but it doesn't tell us why. And so the specific type of research we do is called behavioral research. And what we're focused on is the why. So we're trying to figure out why did these things happen? Because if I can add the why to the what, then we can change the future. We can come up with new strategies and tactics and solutions that are not obvious that we know work and are grounded in data. And it's been an amazing journey. You know, prior to COVID, I, I was gone 200 days a year and been on you know, tons and tons of TV shows, over 200 now, just really trying to separate myth from truth and make this a constructive conversation and recognize that, you know, baby boomers bring a lot. I was uh, speaking at this event before COVID and this young guy says, you know, Jason, I don't know why you're always talking about how great baby boomers are. They don't even know technology. And I was like, seriously, 
they invented the cell phone you're using. <laughs> it didn't exist before them. <laughs> they made it. You couldn't be on TikTok without them and you could connect to the Wi-Fi, you know? <laughs> and then at the same time, you know, we're trying to teach yeah. other generations. Well, you know, these emerging generations bring so much as consumers yeah. and as employees, but we got to sort of step away from the cable news stories and the clickbait headlines and really try to seek what's true based in data. And it's just been an amazing journey. And, and we just love working with all these different businesses to help them grow uh, and realize that, that every generation brings something important. So I love the work. Long answer, okay. but, the, but the but the real uh, it's one. Great. <laughs> it, it's great. It, it's always so funny to me. I people that the, so the boomers, which I am on the very tail end of, and and the generation after us, whatever it is, um, X or uh, yeah, I don't Gen know. X. You, you know, is it Gen X? Okay. So we, the people in these two generations have just this, the, everything out of their mouth is, oh, those millennials, you know, they're like snowflakes, they're, they're this, they're that. And I just look at these people and say, okay, hang on a second. First of all, uh, a lot of the stuff that you're upset about with them, I can point to people my age who behave that way so <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. no <laughs> and we raised them mm -hmm. like th those are our children so if we're upset with it i think we might be looking in the wrong place mm -hmm. so yeah it's a um, go ahead no as you can say that's a super insightful comment for for two reasons one is we find that most people's views of a generation particularly a negative view are, are what we call a, a proxy of the generation. So every manager and leader knows one entitled millennial that you know <laughs> showed up and did exactly what you, you would think they would do. But, and then that becomes a represent, representative of the entire yeah. generation. And they don't realize that millennials, for example, are the number one largest generation United States workforce. Everybody says we're not working. There's actually more of us working than any other generation. <laughs> there are more of us paying into social security, by the way, yeah. than any other generation. And there's more millennial managers in US workforce wow. than any other generation. And in fact, our research shows, we do these studies that we constantly release on our website, that the generation most offended by millennials acting entitled are actually other millennials who do not feel entitled. Because <laughs> we think yeah, the rest really? of the generation has given us a bad reputation. And so so to me, you're, yeah. you're hit on a real, real sore spot, which is, you know, we all know somebody that represents this in a negative way. And then we sort of attribute that to everybody else. And we have to work yeah. twice as hard to disprove it. And the flip side that you uh, pointed out is parenting. In our research, and I write about this a lot in the new book, and we put this out a lot on our videos online, is that the number one factor that shapes generations is parenting, right? We learn from our parents things like, yeah. is a job beneath us? Should you save money? Do you need to go to college? Does that have to be a four-year college? Can you go, is that industry okay to work in? Do you yeah. have to leave home? Can you move back? Like these are all learned behaviors. And in fact, the entitlement, which is the one that most grabs the headline is 100% learned. You learn from your parents exactly those behaviors. They're reinforced in school. They become normal in the generation and then they bring it right into work. And parents always get upset about that. They're like, oh, you know, nobody wants to hear it. But it's true, and it's not about being rich or poor. People say that all the time. It's not true. We see entitlement in every socioeconomic spectrum. So it's really about how you're raised. And again, everybody gets uncomfortable, but when yeah. you study generations like we do, we're looking for the behavioral driver. Parenting is number one. And number wow. two, by the way, is technology, which we could talk about for two hours. You know, <laughs> So start to see how all these different things shape generations, yeah. and their own persona and characteristics and, and sense of what, what normal looks like and feels like, which is you know what I geek out on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. So, um, so, so do me a favor and, and break them down if you would, you know, quick overview of generations and, and their year spans. Sure. So when we think about generations at CGK, what we're looking for is what's called predictability by scenario. And we, that means we're looking for consistency by a, a birth cohort divided by geography, which is a long way to say we're looking for people born about the same time and raised in about the same place. And I think that's really important as I share these birth years because you have listeners all over the world. And so mm -hmm. as we talk about these birth years, geography plays a huge role. And when I go and speak and consult and serve on boards and advise, we always have to cut the generations by the geography we're talking about because you will see differences. And nobody talks about that, but it's a huge deal. So when we think about the birth years I'm gonna share with you, these are primarily true for North America, but you'll see them pretty consistent around the world. It'll change on the edges, which is normal, but pretty consistent. So when we think about them, the youngest generation, uh, which we call Gen Z, or when I speak over in Europe, they call Gen Z, uh, was born around, around 1996 to 2015. And those birth years are different than maybe your listeners have heard elsewhere. And the reason is, again, we're, we're focusing on research and math. And the key thing in North America, particularly in the US, was 9-11. 9-11 was the defining event for millennials. Yet what we discovered through our research and brought to the world was that Gen Z does not remember 9-11. And wow. that's a huge deal. It's as huge as remembering it. So either you remember it and it changed your worldview. It's what we call a generational defining moment, or it didn't. And it's something you learned about in history class or from your parents or maybe an older sibling yeah. or you watched on YouTube. So for, for Gen Z, wow. they don't remember 9-11, which is a huge deal. And then we believe the capstone event is COVID-19, this pandemic. And we called that back in March because we could already see it through our research that this was the event. In fact, it's not so much an event as it is a period in time now. And as we think about that, we could tell when a generation starts and stop. So sometimes you know those and they, they jump out at you and sometimes they don't. So 1996 to about 2015, the key thing to know about Gen Z, their parents are primarily Gen X who are raising them very differently than boomers raise the millennials. Many in Gen Z do not remember a time before a smartphone. So that's why they think about that for education, for banking, for dating, for ordering food, for you know driver's ed even is through a smartphone now, if you can believe that. So all of those things are happening through that mobile device. And what's most interesting about Gen Z that's almost never talked about, one of our big discoveries, and I, I write about this a lot in this economy book because it has huge implications, is that Gen Z is very practical with their money. And we see them saving. They're asking for employers what benefits you have. Like what 22-year-old says, what benefits do you have? And in our <laughs> studies, it keeps coming up. So stability, I mean, it's really wild. So Gen Z is very different. They're the most diverse generation. And they're bringing a lot of different expectations, which we'd be happy to talk about you know, later into the employment side and as customers. Yeah. And then right before them, we have the millennial generation, also called Gen Y, in some parts of the world still called Gen Y. Now, millennials were born approximately, because remember, there's always this approximate room, from about 1977 to about 1995. And the key thing there is, between 1977 and 1981, anywhere in there could be the start of the millennial generation. The difference is, did you live in an urban area? Because urban areas, particularly during that time, saw trends sooner. You needed population density and diversity, and then it would ripple out across the country or across the world. It just took longer. So anywhere in there, plus if you're wealthy or rich, you would see technology sooner. If you traveled more, you would see things. So there's a lot going on there. Yeah. 1995 is the end because, again, you remember 9-11 or you don't. And then our big discovery with millennials is that millennials have actually split into two different generations. One group we call megalennials, the other we call millennials, and we've been tracking that, and it's 
super interesting. So, so it, even though it's a longer uh, number of years, there's actually two generations in there. And we need another probably five, 10 years to really understand that because they have to be old enough for you to look back and go, oh, that's where this started or that's where this stopped. Sort of like a recession. You just need more time to look backwards. And then before then is you have Gen X, which you alluded to. Gen X was born about 1965 to about 1976. Anywhere in there would be Gen X. Now that's a shorter birth year range, but remember millennials, we think are two generations, not one. So it's actually pretty similar. Okay. And then, uh, then going into the baby boomers, what's neat about the baby boomers is they were born roughly 1946 to 1964. However, at our research center here, we believe that baby boomers are actually two generations, not one, because older boomers and younger boomers had very different formative events. Particularly if you look at technology and world events, you know, one group was really more 70s kids. And so as you start to think about that, you sort of understand how the generations fit next to each other. And then you have cuspers, which you uh, alluded to that you might be, which are people born on the edges of the generations, which, by the way, is actually an advantage because it makes you empathetic to both sides. Uh, coincidentally, most people who are cuspers pick one generation and not the other. So, for example, if you're born on the border of Gen X and millennials and I ask you, which one do you think you are? You're like, I'm Gen X, definitely Gen X because nobody wants to be millennial. <laughs> and, then, and then we'll do one of our studies with them and they'll come out super millennial. But they're like, don't, don't call me a millennial, Jason. I am a Gen Xer. I'm like, okay, all right. And so, uh, so that's how the generations fit together. And what we're really curious about, and we're doing a lot of studies to understand this, is in, as we move forward, and the rate of change increases, does the concept of a generation eventually go away? Because maybe in 20, 30 years, the pace of change is so fast that you don't have as much predictability uh, when you look at these types of birth years. Um, also, one other fun yeah. thing that is that Gen Z, the youngest generation, our research has proved that they're the most similar generation in the world. And so when, whether I'm working in India or Singapore or all across Europe or any of these places, we find that Gen Z is, is very similar due to cheap mobile technology. So for global brands that we work with, it really helps them to understand how to engage and what are the differences and so forth. And the older you go, right, if you go up to Gen X and boomers, the more dramatic the differences are around the world. And that really comes down to having access to phones that are basically free in many of these countries now, particularly developed countries where if you get the phone for free, but you use it for payment and sort of like your own bank. And so therefore the phone costs zero, but you're now using it as a bank or a wallet. So all of these fun things are happening. And basically we've got all these different generations trying to figure out how to get along, work together and make the world a better place. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Only everything. Okay. Um, thank you for that. That, that was tremendously helpful. I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and then I want to continue. I mentioned before that Accelerate Your Business Growth is sponsored by Audible.com. And you probably know that Audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles to choose from, but you might not know about the other content. There are podcasts, Audible Originals, guided meditations, uh, and so much more. Uh, and you can listen to those things uh, anywhere and across devices, and you can get all that you know, divergent content or, you know, different sorts of content all in one place. So you don't have to bounce from one application to another, uh, which ends up being a time saver. I think it's pretty cool. I think you will too. So you can get a free trial. Just go to audibletrial.com slash business growth, sign up for that trial, and then go exploring. Check it all out. See what really resonates with you. And um, I think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised. Today, we're speaking with Jason Dorsey about the different generations in the business world today. So 
Jason. Let's talk about Gen Z and what employers can do so that they're really engaging Gen Z as employees. Yeah, absolutely. And and just for context, uh, for those that are thinking through the birth years and the ages, the easiest way to think about this is Gen Z, the oldest are now turning 24 or 25 years old. And on a percentage basis, they're the fastest growing new generation in the workforce because they are the up and coming generation. So depending on when they entered the workforce, which could have been 16, some places 15 or older, you know, they're the ones that are coming into lots of these positions, either right out of high school or directly into the workforce, or maybe through college, university or some other uh, trade pathway. So that's sort of the demographic we're talking about here. And when we think about what do employers need to know and do to engage them, there's a few things that jump out. Uh, that, that are probably uh, not obvious. And that's why I like to share these now that you've asked the question. The, the first one is when it comes to understanding getting Gen Z to apply, what we've discovered is that Gen Z, and this I know is shocking, but bear with me, Gen Z expects to be able to apply and complete their job application all through a mobile device. And so what does that mean? It means if you're trying to recruit this generation to fill a position and you're sending them to a website that they can't complete the application on a mobile device, you're not going to get them to complete the application. And by the way, this doesn't cost anything extra. It's just knowing to set it up the right way. Because what we found is that Gen Z will start an application, but as soon as they run into something like, oh, I don't have everything I need, or I don't know what that is, I need to go figure it out, or you know, I'm, I've got to go back to class or whatever, then you have a lot of orphaned or abandoned applications. So you want them to be able to do it online uh, through their mobile device and save as they go. And what we found is if you do that, Applications by Gen Z in many cases will increase 10, 20, 30, 40% because they can complete it on a mobile device as they go. And then the secret thing, if you really need to hire this generation, is if they don't finish the application within 24 or 48 hours, but because they're saving it, you send them a text or an email that says, hey, Jason, saw that you started your application. We think we might be a great fit. Please complete your application. We'd love to go to the next step with you. And you'll see numerous people complete that because now you've actually reached out to them to sort of nudge them to complete it. So we find that that's really important. The second thing when we think about Gen Z is onboarding them. And where we believe that's all headed is onboarding by text message. And some people are probably rolling their eyes right now going, are you kidding me, Jason? <laughs> no, this is totally legit. It's growing rapidly. Oh. And now because of text message, you can complete the entire onboarding process. I'm telling you, 100% of the onboarding process by SMS. All the forms, make sure they get signed, filled, videos that need to be watched, introduction to your coworkers, the whole thing. And by the way, this is all automated. This is not you sending a bunch of text messages. And what happens is it goes through at a rate almost of 100%, which is completely different. Super important right now during this socially distanced world that we live in. And they feel more engaged and more comfortable. And you can do some really cool things. One of the companies in the Zcon book, they're called Endboarder. What they do for their, this is a text messaging company. They will ask you questions like, what's your favorite sports team? Or what's a snack you like to eat at three o'clock when your energy is low? Or what's your favorite meal to eat? And what they do is that that messages will then be forwarded to the appropriate people. And when you show up to work, whatever that first day is, they'll have stuff representing your favorite sports team and they'll already have the snacks you want. Or if you're working from home, they'll have them delivered. Like all of these things to make employees feel really welcome, that doesn't take any time. It's just knowing to doing, do it and integrating it into, these, um, into the onboarding process by text message. Going further, what we see, and again, I'm trying to share some of the more shocking things because I like to share the less obvious. Uh, what we see is that Gen Z also expects that to have access to the money that they've earned every day. Now, this is probably catching a lot of people off guard, so bear with me because I wrote about this a lot in the book. Uh, the company that's in the book is called Instant Financial, and this is what they do. 
what happens there is if you go into work at tons of restaurants now, big retailers, all this stuff, if you work today and you walk out, let's pretend it was me, I walked out and it says, Jason, you earned $60.12 working today. Would you like half of your money from today, yes or no? And if I click yes, the money instantly shows up and there's no fees to me. And this is what's called earned wage access. It's a new category. And what that means is that all these Gen Zers who are working in all these places will have only known that they could get access to the wages they earned every day. So what do you think they're going to expect everywhere they go afterward? The wow. same thing. And, and I promise you, because we've seen this, as soon as one restaurant, just pick a name, McDonald's offers the, you know, they put on their marquee, apply today, yeah. work today, get paid today. What does the restaurant across the street have to do? Same exact same. thing. And yeah. the key is this isn't about paying more money. But what we found is if you offer this earned wage access, and I write about this a lot, you'll get more applicants, you'll get better applicants, they'll take worse shifts, they'll pick up extra shifts, they'll do all these things because it turns out access to money, in many cases, more important than the amount of money. And by doing this, they avoid payday lending, they avoid overdraft fees, all of these terrible things. And of course, it's Gen Z going, why do I need to wait two weeks to get paid? I already worked. <laughs> so you got that whole piece going on. And then as we look ahead, one of the key things that I believe everybody should be talking about or thinking about is we find that Gen Z is very much looking for employers that are aligned with social causes. And yeah. in particular, what we've noticed, and not to dive into too hot or political topics, because that's not what I'm doing here. I'm just sharing what the research shows. What we have found is that Gen Z right now is looking for employers to embrace social causes that they also resonate with. And if those employers do publicly talk about those, and I'm not saying they're going to you know, take a huge position and change the whole company, but they're going to come out publicly and say, this is important to us, and we're going to actively work on it. What we're seeing is you'll get more Gen Z applicants, you'll get more loyalty, they'll stay longer, all of these different things. And this is not their traditional, oh, well, we cut a check. I, I always have to tell these big companies, you know, you, you had a check, a huge, you know, five foot check on a football field. Okay, first of all, Gen Z has never seen a check. It's a monetary instrument they will never use. And you filled it out in <laughs> cursive, which they can't read. <laughs> like, I, I think we're missing the point here of trying oh to say we support social causes, right? Oh. Now, again, just to clear this up, I'm not asking a single person listening to cater or coddle to Gen Z, nothing. I'm not asking you to pay them a nickel yeah. more. Yeah. All I'm saying is if you understand how they look for jobs, you can put yourself in their path. If you understand what gets them to stay, you can do that. It doesn't cost you anything more. And you can align with things that also align with your beliefs. And it turns out Gen Z gets very fired up and excited. And then the last one is we know that Gen Z is entering the workforce later than ever before. There's a ton of reasons why they're getting their driver's license later. I mean, we can go through on and on and on. But the key is they may not have the real world experience that you would expect given their age. They could be 18 years old and never had a job. So the last thing is you want to provide specific examples of what excellence looks like at your company, whether you're a small business or a big one. The easiest way to do that is through providing videos. And the reason is Gen Z can watch them on their mobile device. And the secret here is they learn faster. They don't have to ask you 50 times. And then you can hold them accountable, which as a business owner is ultimately what you want, right? Get them out of my yeah. hair. Let them give them a chance to be successful. Because the problem is so much in business is things that don't make sense. Like our dress code here is business casual. What does that mean? Yeah. Right? It, it turns out it varies by age, gender, and geography, right? And we're not mind readers. So what I always like to say is give the new hires, the new generation, an opportunity to be successful. Show them what it looks like and then hold them accountable. And you'll be surprised at how well they'll do. 
So all of those things, that's just a few from the new book, but they're all basically free to do. It's just knowing to do it and then asking, how do we get this done? And next thing you know, you're going to get a lot more of what you want, again, without paying a single nickel more. And you're going to get a generation that wants to make an impact from their very first day. By the way, Gen Z expects to stay longer in a job than previous generations did at their age. They also expect it's going to take them longer to get their first promotion. And they want to work somewhere that they view as stable. These are all yeah. things that your listeners can offer because in our research, what we've uncovered is Gen Z really is a throwback generation. I have employers who tell me all the time, Jason, I'd much rather have a whole bunch more Gen Zers versus, you know, some other generation they're going to name, which I think is counterintuitive, but it keeps being bared out. That is so interesting. You know, my, so turns out my kids are Gen Zers and, and they so fit all of that. that. That's, and a friend of mine was just telling me when you said the thing about for the onboarding process where they're asking all those questions and then when, you know, either sending it to the person's house or when they show up for work, that just happened to a friend of mine, um, son who's in DC just switched jobs and she was telling all this about it and we're all boomers. And so we were all like, they did what? You know, <laughs> they, they gave them what? I've never heard of such a thing, you know, it's just totally out of the realm of, of understanding for our generation, but it makes sense then, you know, once you explained it, it makes them feel so welcome and appreciated and they're glad he's there and, you know, and it's the way they normally like yeah, and it turns out, and this is, I should have probably led with this, is that most of the things that Gen Z wants, it turns out every other generation likes to yeah. and And it just so happens that Gen Z is bringing that expectation into the workplace. And I like to say it's an expectation, not a demand. You don't have to do it. But sure. if you do these things, you tend to attract the best and the brightest and other generations like it. And by the way, all of these things are easy to automate. All of these things scale, yeah. whether you have five employees or 500,000, it's just knowing to do them. And I think that's, again, the divide that we're constantly trying to, to bridge with our research. Right, 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 right. Okay, so I'm curious um, if there are generational trends that you think are going to be really important in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're studying three right now that, again, are sort of what we would consider non-obvious trends. One might be obvious, but maybe not for the reason I'll point out. Um, the first that we're focused on as we look at generational trends and sort of particularly as you branch out from Gen Z up to millennials is uh, the role of credit building products. This is something that people don't talk about much, but it's really, really interesting to us. And what's happened now is there's a whole category of these products where you go online and you can create an account, essentially uh, make yourself a loan, and in doing that, be able to build your credit uh, ethically, legally, and so forth over time, and really get in control of your credit score, which then enables you to do all kinds of things, you know, more access to credit and better rates and, you know, save up to buy a home or whatever it is, you're, you're able to do that by improving your credit score. So we think the fact that Gen Z and millennials are both now really interested in their credit score, it's something that's happened uh, during this pandemic, that we think that's something that will significantly carry over and tools around credit and access to credit, we think are going to be a very hot area that people are not talking about. So that's one we're, we're really uh, focused on heavily right now. Uh, the second one that we're extremely focused on is as we look at individualized instruction or ed tech. And what I mean by that is you've got a whole generation that is now going to school through distance learning. Uh, my daughter's nine years old and her particular school is all in Spanish. She's in fourth grade. And so for her, she wakes up, she logs on to her Google Classroom and she's in class all day in Spanish. You know, she's got multiple devices open. I'm sure she's doing a bunch of stuff that's not school, but she's in there doing her thing. 
I'm sure she's got chat going and she's probably playing Roblox and whatever. Sure. But to her, this is all totally normal. And the other day she went and she recorded a presentation herself on her phone in Spanish, uploaded it to Google Classroom, did the whole deal. The teacher watched it, gave her her you know critique and feedback, also recorded the video. My daughter then watched it. And to her, that's now totally normal. So it's completely wow. normal. And so one of the things that we're really studying is how does older Gen Z and younger Gen Z break apart because of the pandemic? And so the older members of Gen Z, if you think like 18 to 24, the closer you are to having to be out in, in the world as an adult, the more negative this has been for you. Th that group of Gen Zers, we do a state of Gen Z study every year and we just released this. What we saw is that that group of Gen Zers were the number one part of the workforce today to lose a job, reduction hours, reduction in pay or be reassigned to a job that they were not hired for. So they're really bearing the economic brunt of the pandemic mm -hmm. in the workforce. Everybody thinks it's the older generation. It's not true. It's youngest sort of last hired, first fired. They work disproportionately retail, hospitality and so forth. But, but, but the younger part of the generation, like my daughter, the more runway you have before you have to have that jumping off point, the more you get to benefit from learning from all these technologies and you get to benefit from the older part of the generations and frankly, their struggle. We saw this with millennials, the mm. older millennials like me who crashed in the recession struggled with all kinds of things, wage stagnation, rising cost of living, student loan debt, blah, blah, blah. And the younger part of the generation got the benefit of the recovery and learned from us what not to do. <laughs> and so we think <laughs> that Gen Z could split apart in the same way and some of that really has to do with education and what they're going to bring forward and, and what does that mean going forward? So we're watching that. And then the third one that we're watching very closely right now is, uh, is how the generation uh, changes or views social causes. And I sort of alluded to this earlier when you asked a really good question about Gen Z's employees. But for example, for the last four years, the top social cause that Gen Z has spoken about in our, in our national studies is um, combating climate change or protecting the environment or protecting the world, some version of that uh, sort of environmental responsibility. And that's been very strong. And also by the way, consistent with millennials. However, last year, the order changed dramatically. And now the number one thing for the generation is social justice. Now they define it a whole bunch of different ways, but it is by far and away the number one most important thing, most emotional, the one they most look for in all these different ways. And it, we believe now the generation really has sort of coalesced or come together around the idea that this is going to be part of the identity of the generation. And so we're watching very closely to see how does that change? Does it change? Uh, what Does it go stronger? What happens to it? Does it evolve now that we've had in the US an election and we have more time that goes on? What happens in 2021 as the generation thinks about that? How does that change their expectations from brands, which we're watching closely and you're seeing it play out on social media. All of these things we believe are really important. So those would probably be the three that we're most looking at right now through the lens of researchers and really trying to understand what does that mean going forward? Because this is where, where generations pass through life stages. So, so sometimes people look of young people and, and they have this idea that, you know, we, I hear this all the time. Oh, those millennials. I'm like, no, no, those are Gen Zers. <laughs> but you, you, you stay in the same generation, you just get older. <laughs> so for Gen Z, we're, we're certainly seeing them age out of that, those teen years into these more of these young adults and increasingly become self-reliant. And as they do that, they're gonna exert more influence as employees, as customers, as voters, as neighbors, and so forth. And that's what we're very closely watching. That is fascinating. Okay, um, so, <laughs> this is really, I, I've so enjoyed this and I've learned so much in such oh, a short you. period of time. Thank you so uh, much. But you have this new book, Z Economy, and will you tell the listeners, you know, basically in, in short order, you know, 
overview. What is it about and where can they get it? Sure. Uh, so the new book is called Z-Economy, How Gen Z Will Change the Future of Business and What to Do About It. We're super excited. It was a, a top 10 book on Forbes and a number one new release on Amazon. And what we wanted to do was really separate myth from truth around Gen Z and, and dive into the role of parenting, particularly the role of technology, oh. education, economics. And so the first part of the book is really just separating myth from truth and bringing forward all these stories and stats through our research to understand this generation in very human terms, which is just really exciting. And it's, I've written five books. This is the one I'm by far the most proud of. And then the next two sections talk about exactly what to do step-by-step -step with Gen Z as employees. So for the business owners out there and the leaders yeah. and managers that are going, how do we recruit and retain and motivate? That section's all for them. And then the last section is how do you unlock Gen Z's potential as customers and trendsetters. So it's what actually works to get them to buy from you the first time, tell their friends, drive your social media following, do all those things to unlock their lifetime value, but at the same time, remembering that you can do that without turning off the other generations. And that's really the secret. So how do you unlock mm. their potential, but at the same time, you get to keep everybody else. And so in the Z economy book, that's what we really wanted to do is make it very practical which to me as somebody who's owned their own business for you know 20 years now, I, I find practical and actions are really the key because <laughs> yeah. I need to be able to do it right away. I don't want it to yeah. cost anything and I want to know that it's going to work. So that's uh, that's what we wrote the book about. And you can you can buy it uh, anywhere that that uh, books are sold. HarperCollins published it. So Amazon or your favorite local bookstore or Audible, you can also get it there. I recorded it with uh, Denise, so it will actually sound like me, which is great. <laughs> that, no kidding. That, that is terrific. Thank you so much. And now tell the listeners you know, how they can find you. Sure, absolutely. Uh, you can watch videos of me speaking and find out uh, about our research and different things at my personal website, which is jasondorsey.com, J-A-S-O-N-D-O-R-S-E-Y.com. And you can download some of our studies. They're all free. We love to, to give away what we find. And then for those who really want to get into the research and understand the strategy work that we do, you can go to our research firm's website, which is genhq.com. GENHQ.com that has a lot more robust and sort of, you know, frankly, geeky research for people like me. <laughs> and then obviously I'm on social media. I would love to connect with everyone. You could find me on Twitter at Jason Dorsey. Um, I'm probably uh, most engaged on Twitter and LinkedIn where you can also find me and would love to connect with each of you. And, and thanks for inviting me to, to be a part of this podcast. Your, your show is great. And I'm just so honored to get to be a part of it. So thank you so much. Ah, oh, thank you. I have really enjoyed this. This was a great topic uh, for, for this audience. So thank you. <clears throat> Listeners, thank you. This, this Hopefully you had some ahas while you were listening to this, and it might help you reframe how you're seeing these generations. I'd also like to thank our sponsor. Uh, head on over to audibletrial.com slash business growth. Sign up for the free trial and explore the audiobooks. Uh, you know, pick up Z economy and, but also look at the other programs out there and uh, see what resonates with you. As always continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of accelerate your business growth, goodbye and good day. Hi, my name is Sarah and I want to tell you about my podcast called can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. 
I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.